Welcome to Argyle Chat, the Plymouth Argyle podcast brought to you by the Herald Sports Desk. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Argyle Chat. If last week felt like Groundhog Day, then this week, well, it kind of feels the same following another defeat for the Pilgrims, this time to Fleetwood Town. Joining me to mull over Saturday's events are our football editor Chris Errington and our goal writer Baron Cross. Hi, chaps. Hello, Stu. Morning. Chris, start with you first. Yes, okay. Nice, easy one, hopefully. Well, any signs that things are going to improve for our goals soon? It's, as I say, it's Groundhog Day again, really, isn't it? Any signs that things will improve for Argyle? I think until they can sort of get themselves into a, a winning position and get the first goal in the game, they're fighting it very, very difficult. Um, I thought for an hour against Fleetwood, there wasn't much between the two teams. I don't think that anyone could really say that Fleetwood were any better than Argyle. Um, but they couldn't get the lead. They had a couple of decent chances in the first half, which maybe they or they should have done better with. Um, once Fleetwood scored, it was always an uphill task. You could see the, the confidence sort of... Uh, Ever way a little bit, um, you know, and they finished two one with two very late goals. In the end, you know, Fleetwood have, have gone away with the three points without, I would say, playing that well, um, and that is concerning for Argyle because if teams come down to home park and you look at them and you think, well, they've not played that well and they've still gone away with a win, that's not 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 very good, is it? No, that's right. And Baron, these are the sort of games that Argyle have got to start winning. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with Chris. I think um, coming away from it, it certainly felt like Fleetwood weren't world beaters. I think there's going to be excuse me, some far faster than the test for Argyle this year where you'd expect them to, to lose. But Saturday was one where you look at it and you look back and you think that is the sort of match they have to win. If they're going to turn this, this run of form around and pick up some points anywhere, especially at home, that was an opportunity on Saturday because Shrewsbury Town are not going to play any worse than Fleetwood did next Saturday. It's not going to get any easier for the next few weeks. So yeah, I am, I'm, I'm increasingly worried, to be honest. So I just think Fleet, Fleetwood didn't have to do very much to win that game. It, it seems that is a familiar story, though. Teams aren't having to do much to get wins against Argyle. No, I mean, I think, I think at the start of the season, we all agreed it was a tough start to, to the campaign for Argyle. There were some very, very tough fixtures. The teams they were playing were, were are now riding high in the division. But we're sort of we're running out of excuses. We're running out of reasons. And uh, I just... I think you, it's you com- right. They're just, com- they're just confidence. It's, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah, it's, now. Every single yeah. week, the moment they go behind in these matches, mm. they're all looking around at each other. Think, and they, they can all, you can see it on their faces. They all know it's, it's happening all over again. Passes are, are going astray. Chances are barely being created, let alone put away. And it, it, like you say, the, the confidence just crashes. I mean, you see it in football every season, don't you? Every team that, that struggles, you can see it. You know, when, when teams. Teams have bad runs of form because each game sort of gets worse and worse with the confidence, and it's that's why on, on Saturday so I wrote in, in an analysis piece that I just like I can't see how it's going to turn. This is where Derek Adams earns his money; he's being paid his salary because he's supposed to know how to break them out of this mm-hmm. form. Because I, I certainly wouldn't know how to turn it around. It's, it, confidence is such a hard thing to, to build up. It's so easy to lose. It's yeah. so hard to build up, and you know I think it's one game this season that they've led in. In the league, you know, here we are in October the 9th It's just absolutely shocking. And they've had one league game where they've been in the league. Yeah. Now, if you're constantly living on a knife edge or trailing in a game, it's wearing. It's great. I mean, look, look at us. You know, it's I'm, I'm, it's, it's 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 not much fun watching Argyle um, play because of the the results and the way it's going. And and the fans will certainly empathise with that, I'm sure. Mm, and yeah. uh, but you imagine you're a player and it's your livelihood. 
and it, 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 it will hurt these players that Absolutely. they're going through this particularly as a large number of them were so used to winning last season Derek said that didn't he um, he said you know, yeah. they're, they're not getting their own way and the yeah. confidence is crashing um, so they need the answer is to try and get themselves into a lead in the game get a break <laughs> and, and I know it's not particularly scientific or tactical or what have you but I think you've got to the stage where somehow they've got to be able to nick a win yeah, grind out a win somehow. get a result from somewhere and use that as a building block I mean, I'm always told in football that when things are going badly, work on the defence. At least try and make sure you keep clean sheets so that you're not going to lose a game. So what would I do to try and things to try and improve things? I'd be drilling that defence. And they haven't been able to keep the same defence because yeah. of injuries and suspensions. Sonny Bradley's suspension is now over. If I'm Derek Adams, I'm saying... And, and again, it's difficult because there's a right-back issue as well, which we'll touch on um, later... But you've got to try and drill that defence and make sure that, at the very least, the opposition get nil. And that's a, a building block. But it's, it's not easy. It's, it's not easy because, you know, you mentioned the defence there. But the, the, the issue is also scoring goals. As Baron mentioned, creating chances is a problem. Yeah, but what I'm saying is that if you don't yeah, concede yeah. a goal, you're not going to lose a game. No. And Argyle have lost eight of their last nine. The, the defence so in, 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 in the world that Argyle are in now they've got to stop losing games. And if that means drawing a game nil-nil or nicking a game one-nil with a, an own goal in the 18th minute of somebody's backside, we'll take that at the moment. But then, I mean, they had the nil-nil away at Bury. Mm. They had a good defensive performance mm. at Wigan. And as Barron said, they defended relatively well on Saturday. And, and but they're not creating anything or scoring goals. It's a lot It's <coughs> a lot easier and a quicker fix to try and sort out a defence mm. than to try and solve attacking woes. Hard especially. It is the hardest part of yeah. football scoring goals, Stu. And, you know, you talk to managers, managers that come in in mid-season when, you know, normally a club are struggling will always say to you the first job that they have to do is to try and shore up the defence because inevitably a team that is struggling is conceding goals. Yeah. Yeah. So a manager will come in and will say, look, we're going to work on this defence. The problem that our club have got is the suspensions and injuries are not allowing them to have a consistent settled back four. And the way it turned out on, on Saturday and things like that, it might be a few weeks yet before we see a settled defence. Mm-hmm. That, that would be my, how are, how are those gonna, how's it going to improve? Got to start keeping clean sheets. Yeah. Well, we had loads of questions sent in this week, so thank you to all of you who sent them in. We'll start with one from Gary Palmer. Even when Argyle were winning games on a regular basis last season, I still had reservations about Adams' tactics and style of play, especially at home park. In August, I wrote of my fears for the season ahead, as I couldn't for the life of me see where the goals were going to come from in League One. But my comments were dismissed as negative. I hate seeing managers lose their job, but I'm convinced if Adams stays, Argyle will be relegated in record time. Quite simply, neither he nor his side are anywhere near good enough. Darren? Oh, yeah, made a few points. Um, yeah, um, yeah. I think I think in August, if you were to say I can't for the life of me see where the goals are going to come from, you are going to be dismissed as negative that early in the season. I think people want to give the players a chance, yeah. see how they cope in League One. As it happens at the moment, Gary's been proved right. I mean, I, I think we, we never expected Ryan Taylor to be the man that's going to come in and score ten or fifteen goals, but. The only hope he can offer now when coming back is that he just he just plays. He's the best option in that formation, playing as a sole striker. That's the the only the only sort of off the field option I can think now that that's going to come in and maybe change things around. So yeah, I think I think you would have been dismissed as negative, but yes, he's been proved right at the moment. Nobody wants to see a manager lose their job, but it happens, of course. Convinced if Adam stays, Argyle we relegated record time. I mean that's I mean that's a very very strong statement in record time. I mean that's. 
that's suggesting they're going to just keep losing now for until until Christmas perhaps. But um, yeah, I mean it, it it's becoming harder and harder, isn't it, to, to to see how it's it's going to turn around. We're going to be repeating ourselves a lot on this podcast, unfortunately. But um, quite simply, neither he nor his side are anywhere near good enough. Yeah, I mean. We're, we are approaching a very, very difficult watershed moment. It's going to be hard not to answer every single question like this in the same way because it feels like we are yeah. approaching quite a difficult mm. moment. And um, you know, it's very hard to, to articulate that in a, in a different way each time. But yeah, I mean, at the moment, the team is not good enough. And you know, I've, I felt on Saturday, I did make it clear that you know, I felt Songo and Edwards were pretty good. I thought even Frelkel got 50 or 60% was a marked improvement on what Gary Miller or Jakob Sokolik offered. Um, so... It would be nice to see. I mean, thankfully, Frankel's now got seven days to get himself back, and I think if if his injury is as Adams describes it, then it looks like he could be okay to start again on Saturday. He's got seven days now to rest up what's described as a sore leg. Um, yeah, so he's going to be steady at left back, and we we may we should have um, Bradley back at centre back with Edwards um, if Songo moves. So um, the back five is 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 nearly at first, its first full strength. Um, I think. They could prove good enough, like Chris says, as long as they keep working on things that they're, they're showing. They're showing a bit of improvement on Saturday, but in attack, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's hard to it's hard to disagree with with Gary. I mean, at the moment, they're not good enough. I mean, I'm I'm really struggling to see how how they're going to score goals. I just don't, I cannot see it. I really cannot see it. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, Gary's got good points there. There's no doubt in that. I, I would say anyone that sort of writes a team off in August, he's being negative. You know, they've just come off a promotion. Um, they almost won the League 2 title um, you can say what you like about the substance of it the way they did it and what have you but they were promoted, they did finish second they did get out of League 2 for the first time in six years um, and then to go into a season and, and write them off as, as no hopers, you know, that, that's negative um, as it's turned out, as Baron says you know, things haven't gone as well as, as a large majority of people would have expected, uh, there were a few that thought that other might go for promotion or playoffs I think most people thought mid-table, mm-hmm. lower mid, lower mid-table. You know, mid-table would be a realistic, sensible target. Derek Adams himself talked about consolidation at the start of the season. I don't think any of us expected Argyle to be sat where they are at the moment. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I agree with, with Gary that, that you know, the team aren't good enough at the moment. They're bottom of the table. The manager, I think, is a good manager, but he's got to do a better job um, of getting this team to play. Um, he's brought the players in. Um, he's got to find a way to get them playing and get them as an effective unit. I still think he's a good manager. I still wouldn't make a change. But at the moment, the manager and his players are not good enough. The league table speaks for itself. Have we perhaps got to look at Adams' recruitment and then and say he had a bad summer in the transfer market? Uh, well, there's not too many of the signings that came in in the summer have, have been flying you know, successes. I think Ryan Edwards and, and Jamie Ness, maybe you would say... Um, have been decent signings, mm. um, but it's not just the summer signings, Stu, because you know the players that were at the club last season and mm. did well um, aren't performing um, to the the same standard they were last season. Now, whether that's because it's a higher division, whether because they're not in such good form, whether they've had a, a dip in confidence, like like pretty much all of the team, probably a combination of all those things. Yeah. So yeah, you can say the, the summer signings I think haven't contributed as much as as every everyone, including Derek Adams, would have liked. But I wouldn't just pin it down on the summer signings. I think collectively the team haven't been good enough. Yeah, well, you kind of slightly touched on it there. We had a question from Dave Searle saying, what can be done to address the poor set-piece delivery? 
Graham Carey's delivery has been poor all season. I guess he's one player in particular that Argyle need a hell of a lot more from right now. Uh, Greg Wilde took some, including corners, and he did well against Exeter with his set-piece delivery as well, didn't he? But they're also poor on Saturday. Is this a management issue on the training pitch? If so, it's not working. I'm rapidly losing my confidence in Mr Adams. I don't think you can blame Derek Adams for poor delivery, can you? It's down to the players. But as you said, Chris, it's the... The confidence of the players and Argonne need much, much more from Graham Carey right now. Uh, absolutely, he's he was taken off uh, set pieces for the Exeter uh, Checker Trade Trophy game, and and you know Dave mentions about Greg Wilde's um, corners being poor. Uh, Greg Wilde's corner led to Ryan Edwards scoring the first goal. I think against... he might be on Saturday. Oh, on, on Saturday, okay. Uh, the, the set pieces on Saturday were poor. <laughs> There's no getting away from it. Even the manager, uh, Derek Adams, said they were poor. Um, and there was, uh, I think, at least three people that took them, Carey, Jervis and Wild. Um, you can pick out individuals if you like, but I mean, I don't think anybody took a good, decent set piece. And yes, if confidence is low, that's one thing. I still think you should be able to take a decent that's set piece. Yeah, the point I was about to make, you're in a dead ball situation, mm-hmm. all you've got to do is deliver the football. There's no confidence involved. It's, you've, you've got no one around you, you've got time, you've got time and space. Mm-hmm. All it requires is technical ability. And it's not like Graham Carey is not doing that. There's something seriously wrong. I mean, he's, he's going to be on a hefty, very lucrative contract from the summer. We were all over the moon when he signed. And to keep, it, to keep him at Argyle, they'd have had to give him a very decent pay rise. And at the moment, he's not justifying it. He's meant to be their best player. He's supposed to be one that digs them out of these holes with moments of quality. Got the only shot on target on Saturday with a pretty decent free kick. I think the keeper made a meal of it, but it was a decent free kick on target. That's what we need to see more from Graham Carey. Because at the moment, in open play, dead ball situation, simply not good enough. Not I mean, enough. the cross he put in for goal was good. Yeah, but it was too late, too late by then, wasn't it? Exactly. We've got to have that. That's but what we need. That's what we need. Minute by minute. minute. Yeah. Just, just not. That's what we need because it, as things stand, where rather than a goal, get a goal from, Graham Carey has got the ability. But he's got to produce it. We can't keep sitting here saying he has got the ability. He's got to show us that last season and the season before that, we were sat here thinking, Kerry's going to walk, he's going to go, because there's going to be championship clubs coming Mm. in now. Mm. Do you reckon we just didn't see what championship clubs could see? Because, Uh, I mean, I think the thought of him playing in the championship mm. now, I mean, it's just beggar's belief. Well, I remember speaking to you at the games we went to in pre season, Chris, and you made the point to me then, you know, you're guaranteed sort of 20 goals a season from Kerry's set pieces. Uh, But uh, my my thought was that in pre season, that Yes, there's a stand, step up in standard, and yes, you're playing against better players. But I was expecting the delivery would be so good oh, absolutely. that we'd get corners and free kicks. We would get goals, and he might not get as many goals as he got the previous two seasons, but he would provide a lot of assists. But you know, they're just not happening. It's just not happening at the moment, and um, yeah, it needs to improve. Yeah, Nick's asking. Uh, Derek Adams has previously said that the standard of the league has surprised him. Is it the case that he assigned good squad players but not enough with that killer quality so uh, that other teams in League One have? Would Derek Adams have been better off keeping some of the players released in the summer and signing four or five top quality players rather than ten good squad players? Baron, where, where, where no, you I don't think that? so. I, I think I think the, I, even now in hindsight, I don't. I think the players that released were the right players. To yeah, be released. I, can't I think, see that I think the players he's kept on. I mean, there's even a few he kept on that. Sort of question marks around that would have been squad players at best, but unfortunately, due to circumstance of playing more than um, than probably Derek Adams expected to use them, uh, we, we go back to this one quite a lot, don't we? Players with killer quality cost money, yeah. and Argyle don't have a lot of money, and they don't have 
And they, they put geograph- it right to the, the Kerry basket. Yeah, and they don't have the geographical location to attract players. I mean, Uwe Rosler made some really, really good points before and after the match on Saturday and said that Argyle have got the fan base, they've got the stadium, they've got the profile, they've got the history. They don't have the money or the geography at the moment to attract players. Because even if you've got, say, play- other clubs in League One which have got a similar budget to Argyle, in most cases, they're going to have a better geography, they're going to be closer mm-hmm. to bigger cities, closer to other clubs. So players don't have to root their families. If you're going to get players to come down, you've either got to offer them more money than anybody else, or you're going to have to drop down in the, in the quality of player you get, or maybe players with points to prove, players that think they can play League One but have been inconsistent. The mirror springs to mind. On his day, probably is a League One footballer, but for whatever reason, hasn't had a particularly consistent career since leaving Spurs. Hence the move to Argyle, who can offer him a decent salary, some opportunities in the third tier. So um, I think I think in an ideal world, Nick, I think Adams probably would have gone out and signed players with killer quality, but. I think Adams is doing the best he can with what he's got. I mean, there is a, there is a there is a limit. There is a ceiling to that budget. He's had to get bodies in. You can't just say use that entire budget on two or three players because then you're dealing with a playing squad of about fifteen players. You've got to at least get twenty or so players, which he has done. But the more players you get, sort of the sort of the lower each player's wage will yeah. be because the, the the budget is a finite amount. So I, I think um, I would say no to Nick's question. I think um, I think. Yeah, hindsight's a beautiful thing, isn't it? I mean, yeah. Maybe Adams would have taken other options if he'd had the choice again. Maybe he'd have gone out for slightly fewer players of better quality. But but as it is, but when you've had the injuries, the suspensions you they've had this season, you know you run the risk of leaving yourself really short on the squad. Exactly. Um, and the points you make, Baron, uh, are perfectly correct and, and fair. Uh, some people, fans, people in Plymouth don't uh, accept it. I think, but location is a big problem. Um, it, yeah. it is, we could have what you've just said there, Baron. We could have played 10 years ago. We could have played 20 years ago when I first started covering... Um, you said Lucky Southwest. Every, every manager in the Southwest has said it. It, it, yeah. it, is, it is true. You, if you want to get players down here, you have to pay over the odds yes. to get them to come. Yeah. People look and say, well, why do people play for teams like... I'm going to pick out a couple of examples, but not through any disrespect, but a Rochdale or a Berry. Hmm. And I say, why do people go to Rochdale or Berry? Because it's near Manchester, yeah. it's near Liverpool. You've got the whole of the Northwest, lots of football clubs. They can, you know, flip between one club and the other. Yeah. Don't have to move family. Mm-hmm. Don't have to relocate. No hassles with moving your kids out of school. All these issues. Now Plymouth Argyle come knocking, and, and no one's going to deny that. You know, they've got a decent stadium. They've got a good fan base. Got a lot going for them. But it's a long, long way away. Now, if you live in the Northwest or you live in London or the Midlands. You're looking. No, I don't really fancy going down there. Mm. Now you can be persuaded if you get offered some money sometimes, but Argyle, you know, like it or not, haven't got a rich benefactor like Fleetwood Town have got. Mm. You know who would, you know, and that's just the way it is. Now yeah. people say, well, James Brent should dip his hand in his pocket. I, I can't ever recall saying him saying that he was ever going to do that. His whole model has been making Argyle a financially stable, sustainable club. Having seen Argyle going to administration six years ago, I'm not going to argue with the fact that Argyle should be a model of a financial sustainability. Mm. I don't want to see Argyle in administration again. If they haven't got the money, they haven't got the money. Um, But, like I say, I was just listening to Barron's answer there, and if we'd had podcasts ten years ago and Argyle were in a similar sort Mm. of position, that answer there... And it's one of the reasons why Argyle are now, well, or Plymouth is now the biggest city in England never to have had a, a, a top flight football division. Yeah. You know, other teams have made it. Swansea have broken the mould, Hull have broken the mould, Bournemouth. 
Bournemouth have done. But again, Bournemouth, very rich Benefactor. Russian billionaire, yeah. isn't he? Whatever. Extras, an oligarch. You know, yeah. an oligarch. You know, to get killer quality, unfortunately, costs money. I think it's worth pointing out as well that, you know, with the location comes the travel as well. Mm. You know, every away game you have mm. in state hotels. I, th- I think it costs travel... hundreds of pounds yeah, each week. And if that's coming out of the budget, yeah. then it yeah. leaves you without probably one quality player for a season. Yeah, it, it all adds up. I mean, I, I do think travel can be an advantage. Paul Sturrock always used to say that. Get your, your group of players really bonded together. And if, if you look at it in a positive way, you can use the amount of time on the bus and the time that you spend in hotels to build the team spirit. Um, but yeah, there's a cost issue to travelling mm. as well, of course. Yeah. Big Savage, uh, Mev Myers, why can't Derek Adams make these changes now to ensure our survival in League One? And there's a lot of talk about Derek Adams right now. Mm. Is he being too stubborn, Baron, with this 4-2-3-1? Does he have to change formation? Because the players he has don't seem to fit the system, do they? I don't know anymore, Stu. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we, we, in, in the job we're in, it's, it's a 24-7 job. I feel, I feel like we talk about this stuff every single day. We talk about it before, during and after Saturday's match. And um, it's hard to sort of come up with a, with a new answer and articulate your thoughts. Um, is he being stubborn? Um, yeah, there's an, there's an argument for both ways, isn't there? I mean, Derek Adams, is uh, he's got a very good track record. He's, his managerial record speaks for itself. This is the first bad run he's had at Argyle in approaching two and a half years. Um, it wasn't all uh, sunshine and light at, uh, at Ross County towards the end, but um, every manager's time comes to an end at some point. So it, it, we've said it a few times already on the podcast this season. It's a system that worked very well in League Two over two years. Um, d- does he have the same players to make that system work at a higher level? I mean, that's that's the debate. Um, I don't think it's systems, Baron. I think it's the players are not performing well enough. Um, I don't see a system just works in League Two and can't work in League One, the Championship or above. I, you know, I think the system that he employed worked well going through the mm. the, the ranks in Scotland, uh, and it worked well in two years in in this country. And I thought it worked reasonably well in the first few games of this season. Um, but confidence has gone. The players aren't playing well enough. Um, we're, we can't bring in new players because there's the you know the transfer window and what have you. So. I think he has tinkered around with the formation. You know, there have been sort of four three threes. There's been a four one four one. You know, they've even played two up front basically: uh, Bristol Rovers, Jervis, and and, and Blissett. So uh, I don't think he's religiously sticking to four two three one. Um, so I think there have been changes, um, but they haven't led to the results that everyone would have uh, been looking for. Yeah, David and Dover says I find it strange how Derek Adams says four four two. It's too easy to defend against, yet when we are chasing a game, he changes to that system and our goal looks so much more dangerous. We, the fans, can see the difference. Fletcher's goal on Saturday proved that. I'm fed up of seeing our goal set up to defend and try not to lose rather than attack a game and give it a proper go. I'd like to see Blissett and Fletcher start together too. Is Derek Adams got to do that, do you think, Baron? Be a little bit more adventurous in his approach to games? or I, I think um, I think we could... We... I think Chris made a good point at the start of the podcast. I think when things are not going well, you control what you can control. And at the moment, they can control the defence. They can drill the defence. And I think at the moment, they haven't got the quality to have a proper go, as Damon Davis says. I think if you're going to have a proper go, you can get picked off. Look at what Fleetwood did towards the end of the match. They had, they had an overload with Amari Bell scoring. I just The quality is not there for Argyle to be an attacking team for me. I just I think... It, having a proper go leaves them exposed I think you've got to go out there and at the moment when it's as bad as it is unfortunately you've got to set up to defend because at the moment they go a goal down at the moment 
the heads go down and it gets worse and worse. And I know you can say, well, attack is the best one with defence. Not with the person, get, not with the personnel they've got. You're for me. right, Baron. You can get, you can, get, you can get picked off. Um, you know, Derek Adams. I've asked Derek Adams about, you know, are they too defensive? And he he feels that they're not. He he's used examples of cases where he's felt they were too attack minded and were caught out. The uh, extra first goal in the Czech Trade Trophy, he said, was where a good example where. The left back was up on the edge of the extra penalty area when Argyle lost possession of a court on the counter attack. I think that's a good example of what Barron's just talked about about being, you know, uh, being caught on the break. Um, fed up seeing Argyle set up to defend. I, I don't think they're set up to defend. They've got two attacking wide players who who are in the team for their attacking ability. You know, Jervis and Wild aren't there really to play as defenders. They're uh, they're there as attacking players. Carey is an attacking player. Sarswich isn't particularly defensive. No, so uh, I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure I would agree that they're set up to defend. Um, you know, Derek Adams uh, gave me some examples on Saturday of, of the amount of the, they've got the best cross percentage. Uh, I think he, he, it was cross completion. Was cross completion. That was it, wasn't it, Baron? Um, in the league, and they're high up on um, other bits and pieces. I, th- I think it's just the, the the once they get in and around the penalty area, the the, the quality isn't there. To, to trouble some you know well drilled league one mm. defences you know Baron and I sit in the press box together you know the amount of angled crosses that are coming in is just is frustrating me because you know a league one centre back you know angled crosses are it's not it's meat and drink it's meat and drink it's not going to be difficult for them to deal with and David you know makes you know he makes some fair points in his questions so thanks very much David I wouldn't you know you're saying I'd like to see Blissett and Fletcher start together now. Yeah, you know, sometimes when you know you've run out of other options or alternatives and things aren't going well, that's an option. But but Nathan Blissett, you know, is is not proven in League One. He's scored a couple of goals in recent games, and we're all hoping that will continue. But you're you're looking at Nathan Blissett, who's not proven in League One, and an 18 year old lad who looks promising. Again, take nothing away from Alex Fletcher. Excellent goal that he got, but. To go with an unproven League One striker and an 18-year-old as two strikers in a 4-4-2, I'm not sure that that is the answer either. Uh, I'm not saying that Blissett and Fletcher can't go on and, and, and hopefully in time contribute regularly, but I'm not sure a 4-4-2 with them leading the attack is, 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 is a, a better answer than, than, no. than what we're going with at the moment. I guess that's the big problem for Derek Adams, because you say you're not sure that's the answer, but what answer does he have? Because Chilchi's well, well, not doing it. No. No, you know, Blissett isn't doing it on his own up front. Which, so. which goes back to the point of you've got to stop conceding goals. You need Carey and others to come up with better set pieces, and in you you work with what what you've got. They've got to get through to January, and you know people will be saying oh, we've got to spend money on a on a striker or this that and the other in, in January and what have you. You know, if if Argyle are still struggling and it's not going well, then. Any striker that's decent, one, will not be very keen on coming to um, play for a struggling team, and two, any striker that is interested in doing that will want a premium in terms of wages to come and do that. So um, I'm not sure we're necessarily going to find an answer in terms of goal scorers this season. So that's why I'm harping back and I'm sounding like a stuck record, I know, but defence and set-piece delivery, that's what's got to be worked on. Yeah, sticking with our goal style of play, uh, an observation from Big Savvy, why play with two wide men and then continually continually hoof the ball down the middle? Is that something you've noticed, Baron? I thought yeah, I think the Argyle Exeter game in the week. I thought <coughs> Argyle actually played some mm. some of their approach play was quite good. Yeah, I thought that Exeter was a, was certainly a better performance from Argyle on Tuesday night on Saturday. Um, 
they were hitting it, hit it along quite a few times the Blissett and I suppose that that's the, that's the way you're going to get the best out of Blissett in theory unfortunately for Blissett you had three different central defenders marking him at any one moment and um, I, I think I can remember once or twice he might have won a header and a flick on for Gregoire which is the optimum way to play this tactic that Derek likes to play so um, you know I, I think we, we say quite a few times now I think we like Blissett we think he's a hard worker he applies himself but we're going to get inconsistent results and I think we saw that on Saturday again so why play with two wide men and continually hoot the ball down the middle I think in the past we've seen that when, when Adams comes up against a three man defence he likes to play um, three sort of narrow attackers he likes to actually nullify sort of the overload on one centre forward and actually put a three on three so um, my argument would have been Wilder and Jervis needed to be a bit narrower in case there were any flick-ons and I think we saw Kerry drifting forward once or twice as well in anticipation of the flick-ons but unfortunately they're not coming from Blissett at the moment and the flick-ons aren't coming their defenders are winning the header and it's immediately going back up the pitch sort of taking four Argyle players out of the game and um, and the opposition can, can counter so I think if you're gonna if you are gonna hoof it, um, Wild and Jibs need to be narrower. Perhaps they weren't following instructions properly. Um, if you are gonna keep them wide, then yeah, you make you make a decent point. Don't hoof it when when Bliss has got three defenders on his back because it's not gonna work. But we go back to this thing: is there enough confidence in Sartre mm. and Carey at the moment to to play it on the deck and actually play it out on the on on the grass to, to yeah. the wings, allowing Blissett to get into the middle and then putting crosses in? So. I think that, that's a good point you make about the confidence of the players because it's easy to just hoof a ball long. You know, a confident player is someone who's going to be putting it into feet, pinging it around, yeah. and you know, really taking a game by the scruff of the neck. I noticed, and I noticed quite a lot of throw cuts. Uh, it was quite a lot of trying to put Jervis in behind the uh, the left wing back and sort of trying to keep their, their wing backs pushed back. But um, quality simply wasn't there. The, the ball was regularly going out of play, and it just wasn't happening. Yeah, uh, Oscar Throwcold then at the weekend. Obviously, he came in. Um, Again, no one really expected it, did they, Chris? Uh, Henry and Dover saying I was surprised Eric Adams started with Oscar Throwcold on Saturday. He was clearly not ready to return and seemed to be limping for much of the first half, but still gave everything. I'm at a loss to understand how the manager in his post-match interview can say Threlkeld refused to play through the pain. Surely rushing him back was a gamble by Adams, which backfired. I think it's worth pointing out he didn't say that. He no, said, no, he didn't. He quite clearly said that he, he couldn't, yes. not wouldn't. So yes. uh, it's worth pointing that out, I think. Yeah. I would admire him more if he held his hands up and admitted he got it wrong rather than questioning the heart of one of our, one of our goal's most determined players and insulting the fans' intelligence in the process. Well, you've made the point there, Stu, about... What he said. You know, so, yeah. um, so that, that is... Um, he's clearly not ready to return. Um, I'm not a medical expert. I'm not a doctor. Um, the manager was asked about this after the game, yeah. and he made the point that the consultant... Uh, he had several professional The doctor uh, and the physio all cleared him to play. Now... I'm not going to sit what here. What can do? What I'm not going to sit here and question that. If that the manager's told us that there's the consultant, uh, the club doctor, and the physio have all cleared Oscar Frelkow to play, and the player so, obviously wants to play as well. And you know, I, I understand that you know, you know, Oscar was very keen to play. Now he did take a knock early on where he fell is, yeah. uh, for a for a header, mm. um, and he was limping a bit, and everyone sort of went, "Oh no," and what have you. Um, he carried on playing. He's certainly, um, I'd agree with Henry there, he's one of Argyle's most determined players. I mean, he he, he, he gave it his all on Saturday. There was no doubt in my mind about that at all. So, was it a gamble? It was a gamble, yes. But it was a gamble based on him being given the all clear to play. So, it was forced. So, I, mm. 
Would he have played him in in other circumstances? No, you know, he, you know, if Gary Miller had been uh, free from suspension, Gary Miller would have played. Um, so, no, I, he as far as far as Derek Adams, you know, I'm not going to sit here and, and question this. Derek Adams was quite clear that Oscar Threlko was clear to play in that game, and so um, that's that's fine with me. It, it didn't work out, unfortunately. The, the, Derek Adams said it was um, Oscar had soreness in the, in the same leg as he'd, he'd injured. Um, now we'll find out in the course of this week, you know exactly what the extent of that is. But um, I think that's more to the point. I think. Yeah. One final question then, uh, Jamie. Do you think the board are considering replacing Derek Adams, or are they not even thinking about it? If not, how much longer will the current run be allowed <coughs> to continue before a change is considered? This is a million-dollar question, isn't it? I mean, yeah. This is the thing that everybody's talking about. Who, I mean, and who, and who knows? Who knows? To yeah. be perfectly honest, I mean, I would, no. I would be amazed mm. if there has not been a conversation yeah. between James Brent and the board mm. about what what their position is mm. with Eric Adams. I would be amazed because the run is that bad. Well, the, the, the statement that came out on Tuesday alluded to that, didn't it? Yeah. It was like the conversations must have been had yeah. about where they stand and what they do do if X happens, if Y happens, if Z happens. I mean. They are intelligent business people who are trying to run a business and at the moment the product is not delivering what they want. So moving forward, I'm, I'm fascinated to be honest, I'm fascinated to see how, how this plays out because James Brent, uh, I mean, you know James far better than I do Chris, but like you say, Adam's got so much credit in the bank, he's yes. done so much yeah. good stuff for the club, it is fascinating mm-hmm. to see how long James Brent is prepared to wait because... We're 10 matches winless in League One now. If you're looking at 15, 20 matches winless, I, I, I just. There will come a point when it will probably. I mean, if, if it doesn't improve, there will come a point where, you know, things would happen. It's a matter of defeats, isn't it? I mean, yeah. James Brennan, you look at his track record as Argyle chairman, he gave Carl Fletcher um, a, a long time to try and turn it around in Carl's second season. And it was uh, January the 1st, wasn't it? Or uh, yeah. New Year's Day. At Bristol Rovers when when they made the change, um, so if you base it on on the past, you know um, James Brent doesn't strike me as the type of person that would make a snap, and it, with the board decision as well, you know Simon Hallett has, has got a big say in the running of that football club now. Mm-hmm. So um, you know it's not just James Brent; it's it's Simon Hallett and and the rest of the board. Uh, they they'll be thinking about it. Of course they will. Yeah. You know any board that's team is uh, hasn't won in ten games is going to be thinking about that those sort of things but you know I do think Derek Adams has got a lot of credit in the bank from what he's done the last two years I do think that he's working on limited finances um, I do think if you make a change in manager now you're going to end up with somebody that's out of work um, that is just looking for a job and isn't as committed to the club as Derek Adams is mm. because Derek Adams has a, Adams has, invested has, a has invested in the club and bought into the club you can't make any signings until January, so you know a new manager comes in with players that he doesn't know, doesn't understand. Um, so for, for all sorts of various reasons, me personally, it's just my opinion, but I wouldn't be looking to change a manager at the moment. But you know, if Baron, as Baron says, you know, if you get to a stage where you haven't won for twenty yeah. games. Just, you know, it's like regardless it, of what your past is, you it, have it, to change it, things. It, it, it take, it, now, I'm not saying 20 games is a limit. I'm just using that as a as a figure, isn't? 
as a number. Some big numbers. Um, well, you, you think about it. That statement came out on Tuesday before the Exeter game when, mm-hmm. when Argyle had three home games in a row and mm-hmm. you know they, they drew with Exeter, mm-hmm. lost on Saturday. Mm-hmm. If he fails to win on Saturday, then you've got away games at well, uh, Blackburn. I've, I've tried and looking at the fixtures and you look, and you, in the short term, you've got AFC Wimbledon away on the 21st of October. That's an eminently winnable match. Mm-hmm. If you go there and lose and lose heavily then he's under massive pressure beyond that if you're giving him even more time you've got Northampton who've just got you've just got battered at home six now they're coming to our home park on the 21st of November that gives you a few more weeks mm. and if you're looking longer longer term you've got Gillingham who have all, who are also struggling away at Argyle on the 9th of December and then you're within sight of January you're within mm. sight of Christmas they're three matches I'm looking at and thinking they are eminently winnable and if you don't at least draw them I mean at the very least draw them then I mean it's, it's just, I just at some point you have to make a decision for the benefit of the club it's taken them so long to get out of League 2 you cannot afford to throw it away if you're in a desperate situation in mid to uh, mid, mid to late November or early December if you leave it that long then everything they've done in the past six years in League Two, you just it's just it's going to go to waste. You're going to throw the season away. I mean, the problem he's got is that he can't even afford to draw games. He's got to win games. That doesn't he? He's yeah. only got five, they've only got five points on the board. They're not going to play their way out of trouble or get out of trouble by drawing games. You know, but he needs to get some wins now. You, you do, but you need to build, have building blocks and build on something. And even a couple of draws now or something like that. Yeah, just yes, to get but they seem to get it. A berry and then. Well, no, just... no, that's just one. That's one draw. They've lost eight of the nine last mm-hmm. nine, Stu. And you know, I didn't go to the berry game. Baron was at the, the berry game. It, it, could easily, it was an inner draw, but it wasn't. It wasn't inspiring. It, it could. It could have been a defeat. So let's. Uh, I, I think you've got to try and get some building blocks. You know, everyone is going to be wondering how long are the board going to give it. You know, I, yeah. the, probably the board are probably wondering how yeah, long are we going to give it. Yeah. No one knows. We're, we're we're all looking into crystal balls and trying to come up with theories, ideas, what have you. You know, knowing James Brent and the board as I do, and I don't know him particularly well, but you know, I have dealings with them and speak to them and what have you. I think they'll try and give Derek Adams as long as they feel possible to try and turn it around because of what he's done over the last two and a bit years. Um, but as Baron says, you know, they're not stupid. They're not going to, you know, stick stubbornly to no. some somebody no. when things aren't working. And and of, of course, you know, with, with the transfer window as it works, you know, if Argyle are somewhere within touch of, you know, getting themselves out of trouble, then you've got a decision to make. Is Derek Adams still the right man for us? Are we going to let him bring in more players in yes. January yeah. to strengthen the squad, to improve the squad? If they're not sure about him, then they change the manager then and give a new manager yeah. the January transfer window yeah, to turn it around. Down. So that's where I'm sort of looking towards. Let's see where we are in December and, and then, you know, take it from there. Of course, you know, if you want to be really pessimistic and say they've gone uh, by December, they've lost 20 games in a row, you might have to make things changes earlier. But um, well, that's the danger because they can't be too far adrift, can they? Yeah, December, I know, but we can't, sit, we can't sit here, Stuart, no, and say they're going to lose 20 games or not win no. in 20 games. They might do. I, mean, I, I don't know. No, well, that's, but, that, that's the but, tough decision the board have, I suppose. Uh, absolutely. Is, you know, do they sort of twist or... But sitting here and now, stick. I'm, I'm sticking. Just my opinion. I'd stick as well, yeah, absolutely. We're not, I don't think we're at that moment yet. I mean, we're, we're approaching it. I mean, I got a lot of stick on Twitter after the Blackpool game for saying that fans are, are stupid to be talking about getting rid of Adams, and I've had a lot of stick <laughs> since then because you stick your head up with a parapet and give an opinion, and people will remind you of it on social media. But um, I mean, I was very, very forthright on that night. I mean, you sort of waver and waver more and more as each, as each passing result goes by. I still think Adams is a very, very good manager. It's not working for any number of reasons, which you've discussed. 
but I mean, I, I look at those three fixtures and I think, I mean, the Wimbledon one in the short term, it's just you've got it's to huge, get something positive game. there just to start it. I mean, we saw the players took ages to come out on Saturday, didn't they? I think the players are beginning to realise the gravity of the situation. Yeah. I think people like Luke McCormick and Gary Sawyer are very proud footballers, they've had mm. long careers. Yeah. They're not idiots, they're not people who come here to pick up the pay packet. They care about Plymouth Argyle mm. and they will be rattling heads and trying to sort this problem out amongst themselves because. As you said, Adams can't be blamed for poor set piece delivery. The players have got to got to set up, uh, step up. Sorry. Yeah. Okay, brilliant. Well, thanks for joining us on the podcast this week, guys. That's yeah, all we've got time for. Questions, for. everyone. Yeah, Thank we you. had there's so many more that we yeah. haven't been able to get through, but uh, keep sending them in, and we will try and, and do what we well, can. Web chat on Friday, as I remember. So yes. Yeah, yeah as always that. Yeah. Web chat on Friday for another opportunity. Yeah, that's all from us this week. Thanks for listening. Bye bye. We are always happy to hear from you, and if you have any questions for our panel, please tweet them to our Twitter account, at HeraldPAFC, or visit our Facebook page, Plymouth Argyle The Herald. Thanks for listening.